bringing you all of the local motocross racing from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. The Imperative MX Podcast. Here's another episode. And we're back and ready to rip here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 34. And man, we're glad to be back for another episode. We are bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week on yet another episode. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank everyone who has been enjoying these episodes already, and the great positive feedback from you guys, the listeners, has been phenomenal. If you still need to check out any of the past episodes with awesome guests, do yourselves a favor and check them out after this one, which is now available anywhere and everywhere you get your podcast nowadays, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora, Listen Notes, Google Podcasts, and many more to choose from to listen to past episodes with awesome guests, like I said, and also you can listen to these episodes up on the website as well. And it is fantastic to see the support from the local community and even outside the local community support in this sport of motocross. And we, of course, are a part of an awesome sport. And I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for tuning in to this week's episode here on the Imperative MX podcast. We have a lot to talk about regarding local racing all the way to professional and, of course, everything in between. And with that, there are many good talking points to chat about within this episode. First, we will talk about the local Southeast motocross races that are coming up with the racing season starting this weekend and races to look forward to this month. We will get into all of the action and carnage that went down from the Pit Bike Moto Indoor Race in Williamston, North Carolina this past weekend. And then we will bring our Trace Dyer to help us speak on this exciting Supercross series with four rounds down and what happened this past weekend's Triple Crown race in Anaheim. Talk about that and this upcoming weekend's Detroit round with the 250 Supercross East Riders hitting the track for the first time in 2024. And also we will chat about this this past weekend's AMA Arena Cross round. And of course, there is so much more we will get uh, to here in this episode. So make sure you guys strap in. Make sure to check us out by searching Imperative MX on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads, and TikTok channel if you have not already done so. And thank you all for supporting us on all of our social media platforms as we continue to grow. Before we talk any further, we have to say thank you to the sponsors on board here on the Imperative MX podcast. West Virginia Motorsports, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Hydropower, FXR. They're back for 2024. Love those guys over there at FXR and stoked for them to be on board here of the Imperative MX podcast here in 2024. Yet again, Total Control Racing Suspension, Silver Valley, MX Park, and PR Motorsports. We will get more into each of these awesome companies behind us here in just a bit. And don't forget to check out ImperativeMX.com when you get a chance. Many new things are in the works. And so make sure you guys are on the lookout for some exciting things coming to the website. Support the ones that support the sport. Like these companies helping us out with this podcast to bring you these weekly episodes. And of course, helping me break down all of the talking points for tonight's podcast. The highly likable, knowledgeable, and your District 29 2011 C-Class champion. It's co-host Heavy D. What's going on, Heavy? 
What's happening, Dow? Man, it is a uh, another week and another podcast, man. Glad to have you uh, back. How's it? How's it been? Oh, dude, you know we live in life, doing good, and uh, ready to talk moto. You already know. Absolutely, West Virginia Motorsports. If you're looking for your next ride, look no further than my friends over there at West Virginia Motorsports. If you are around the surrounding area and looking for a new or pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, ATV, scooter, or anything motorized in that manner. Stop by Princeton, West Virginia, or at their brand new location uh, in Withville, Virginia, titled Virginia Motorsports. Don't forget to order your parts for your current bike through West Virginia Motorsports or Virginia Motorsports alongside walking out the door with that brand new ride. Don't forget to get those oil filters and air filters on your way out. And hey, Heavy D, don't catch them on fire there, bud. Yeah, we go. We go. We've been like retaining from doing that here. Yeah. Here in the past, you know what I mean. So we stayed away from that area of work. So hopefully we'll be good. Yeah, I think I think we'll be okay. Just no fire near the air filters, and Dad won't be pissed. We'll be all good. Uh-huh. <laughs> Man, let's get into some local motocross racing. Uh, some races that happened this past weekend, and of course that uh, some races that are coming up this weekend and races soon to attend and of course you guys can check out the imperative mx compiled schedule of races uh with the ncmx sema mega series uh district 13 and mama series so all all five of those major uh ama races that are happening around this area you guys can check out the compiled schedule of races where i took all of those and compiled uh compiled them all into one, so it's an easy screenshot for you guys because you, so you can see uh, the dates and the tracks that they will be racing at and which series uh, are also going on that weekend or the racing weekends that you guys want to race, of course. So uh, make sure you guys go and check that out. And Heavy D, you said that was, a, that was a good idea. And actually, this weekend at the Pit Bike Moto event i've had about two or three people that came up to me and said that that was uh one of the best ideas uh that anybody's ever come up with dude it was like i mean you just made everybody's life so much easier and i think the even better thing about it is for me personally i mean you think it's like you always wonder what races are going on like where where do you think everybody's going to go um well what's a good track or a track somebody you haven't been to, you've been wanting to go to, but you never really know like when they're going to race, when they're going to be open. So you actually just put it like everything in one nutshell. So it's like, Oh, well we've raced here before. We haven't been here. Let's go see what this race is about this weekend. Or, well, dang, we got three races going on this weekend. Huh? Let's, hmm, I wonder what everyone's going to go to. It's like, you know, you can, even on social media, somebody can put up the schedule, you know what I'm saying? A picture of it. And it shows the weekend and then just tag or just ask, hey, what race are you guys going to this weekend? Let's see where the competition is going to be at. So there's so many different things you can do with how you compile that schedule. It's unreal. And it's just, it helps out so much. It does, man. And I hope that everybody enjoys it. And it seems like from the feedback that I've gotten from you guys, is uh, very good on that end. So I hope that helps you guys out. And if you guys haven't checked it out, you can go and check it out on imperativemx.com or go to our Facebook page and scroll down a little bit and it will be there as well. Um, 
or get it from one of your friends. I'm sure I'm sure it's been passed around multiple times. It's got a lot of shares and a lot of likes, so I'm sure you will be able to find it. Uh, races coming up this weekend, Heavy D. Unbelievable. It's the opening round of the NCMX series at Windy Hill. Oh, you already know that. That's gonna be that's gonna be jumping this weekend. Oh, it one hundred percent is and a good track, uh good owner. I've been going to Windy Hill since oh three, oh four, I wanna say heavy D. So that that track's pretty sentimental to me and I'm glad it's still around, you know, decades later. Dude, it's what's cool is like it's always been awesome. You know, Joe always did a fantastic job with it. Now, Casey has it. And, man, it's like he really stays on top of, like, keeping the track pretty fresh, you know. Yep. Like, always keeping it redone, doing changing some sections, doing major track changes. Uh, I know he has motor creations come in, and they do, a, like, a sick job, dude. Every time they do it, it's like, dang, like, this place, this place is looking picturesque. So, I think this weekend is going to be dope for sure just because also it's going to be a fresh track so and it's been it's looking sweet it makes me want to ride like mad yeah uh heavy d i may be heading out there for both saturday and sunday if not one or the other uh just to hang out and be there unfortunately i won't be announcing but uh i'll be there and i believe i'm gonna get the zook on the track heavy d i haven't rode in a while and uh you know that place is really close to me now under an hour so I think I got to go and check it out, scope it, and see what everybody's up to. And, man, it's the start of the racing season already. It's kind of been an, uh, it seems like a long off season, if you want to put that in quotations. I know that people have been racing some indoors and stuff, right? But as far as moto go, this is the uh, the opening round around here. And, of course, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great weekend. Doesn't look like any uh, weather is in the way from what I've seen. And I believe that. Uh, everybody's going to have a good time down there in Ellerby, North Carolina. Oh, yeah, dude. It's, we finally, you know, that, that, that weather change is coming. It's, oh, I can't wait for it to get a little bit warmer, you know. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that heat feel. <laughs> you, just, so, you, just, you just want the, want it to be 60 and above all the time. Oh, dude, it, it, I wouldn't be mad by any means. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's what kind of weather I set that air filter on fire in. So. Oh, oh, stop it, Heavy D. Stop. <laughs> so, actually, I'm looking at the weather right now, and uh, Saturday is going to be a high of 55, uh, sunny, and Sunday is going to be a high of 56. So, that's some that's some pretty good weather, Heavy D. That's like in between hoodie and no hoodie. So, uh-huh. you know, early in the morning, it might be, you know, you might that first moto, you might be doing a hoodie moto, and then after noon or so, you're going to be taking that thing off, and you're going to be ready to go. I think it's going to be a yes, great sir. weekend for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, upcoming races to keep an eye out for uh, February 10th and 11th will be the District 13 season opener at, at Elizabeth City MX. Uh, so make sure if you guys are in D13 or want to go and check out Elizabeth City MX for a race, uh, they will be having their season opener February 10th and 11th. Uh, February 17th and 18th will be NCMX round two at Dreamville. Of course, Heavy D, you know that place well. Oh, yes, sir. That's that, that, that's my stomping ground right there. That's right. Most definitely going to want to be there. Yep, they're going to be having a race um, February 17th and 18th. 
And then February 24th and 25th will be South of the Border MX, and it will be the Mega Series Victory Sports opener. And I believe that one uh, will be a good one as well. So uh, make sure you guys are plugged in. Get the compiled schedule of races. And of course, uh, this weekend, opening round at NCMX uh, or force NCMX at Windy Hill. And the following uh, following weekend will be at Elizabeth City. So make sure there's plenty of races that are going to be happening here in the month of February. So uh, if you guys are ready to race, then let's get to it, man. Started the racing season. I'm excited, Heavy D. Oh, dude. I'm excited as well. Like, I can't wait. New season, so much going on. Like, you know, you always look forward to that next season, you know, and I'm ready for it. It's, it's highly overdue. It is. It is. All right, Heavy D, let's get into the pit bike moto indoor race that happened this weekend. And I tell you what, Heavy D, I don't think, I, I, I know a lot of people are going to be going to go watch uh, Matt Burkeen's video of all of the crazy and carnage and, and all of that, but realistically everything that he says in there with just a good time no pressure no anxiety just a lot of just a lot of fun hanging out with people that's the vibes that i got at that pit bike moto indoor race and that was of course in williamston north carolina and it was at the bob martin agricultural center and that place is really cool i've actually been there before i did not know uh going into it but i've been there actually for a go-kart race uh they do uh, of course, ho- horse racing and uh, dog shows and um, go-kart events. And they, of course, do this pit bike moto thing. And so it was cool going back to that uh, big uh, arena, uh, big horse barn for the most part. Um, but, man, it was it was really fun. It was, um, it was cool to be able to announce and hype the crowd up, getting them ready for the uh, four races that they had for money in the uh, trail bike and stock 110 and then they had a bone stock 110 race and i tell you what joe dirt caleb carter he was a man on a mission he went four for four on the night heavy d dude he is a menace on the pit bike like bro it was unreal to watch dude it didn't matter if he got like a fourth place start or got the whole shot i mean he was up to the front by lap two and he was gone he was checked out bro he is hard to guard on a pit bike like that he don't mess around on a pitter no and it showed for sure and the track was good they uh it started getting very slick there towards the end of course with how i mean there was a lot of people there heavy d a lot more than i thought and anticipated uh uh-huh. but that place was packed heavy d that place was a mob scene not a not a complete like rush hour traffic in cali but it was it, there was definitely a lot of people there and it, and they put on a great event i mean devin pilkington he used to be a arena cross racer for many 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 years so of course he's uh into that stadium stuff and he just wants to give back to the community and of course michael kesey who uh is the other operator and and uh owner there that put on the event uh great people Great atmosphere. Um, there was a lot of guys out there. Grayson Watkins came out. Corey Burles came out. Uh, Caleb Carter, of course, like the pit bike guys of Todd Steth. Uh, Mark Brown. 
uh, there was just a, a lot of, a lot of guys that were, that were out there and it was good to see everybody and they put on a fantastic event and, uh, it was cool to be able to do some interviews with some people and, um, have a guy, uh, walk around and, uh, we had to take some, uh, small little snippets of, uh, just some content for them. So it was all around, man, it was a great weekend and a great event. And I think next year I definitely got to bring my pit bike just to, just to hang out. Cause I mean, man, on that track, you can just hold that thing wide open. You know, you're not really going, you're not really going really that far, you know, that fast. So, um, but it just looked like a lot of fun. I mean, just being able to be there on the floor and watch all of the pit bikes go by and stuff, man. It's just, it was just good to get back onto the floor of a racetrack for sure. You know that feeling. Oh, dude, this when you there and it looks fun, you like, okay, this, this, this is, this is making me really want to get out there and train. Yeah. You know, it's a good event. You know, it's like, all right, this is pretty sick. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely a, a whole lot of fun. They had a lot of good vendors, a lot of good sponsors uh, that were there, of course, to keep everybody good. Uh, even the concession stand was good. They had barbecue. They had steak. They had all sorts of stuff. I mean, dude, they, had, they had everything and anything that you needed just to stay there for the whole weekend. There was camping there, of course, with hookups so that you could stay there for the entire weekend. Um, practiced it and start on Friday until three o'clock, which I thought was really good for people that have AKA school or work, right. That they have plenty of time to get there and they ran practice all the way until eight o'clock. Um, and then, uh, me and Maddie B got a, got a hotel and we watched some, uh, arena cross before we, uh, croaked for the night. Um, and that was some good racing. Of course, we'll get to that here in just a little bit with, with our Trey Steyer, but uh, overall, Heavy D, I had an absolute blast, and I'm definitely going next year. Heck yeah! You saw them. You got to announce too. So they they wanted me to interview some people and just take some um, shots of you know uh, talk about the event and some race highlights and that sort of thing. Um, but I also got asked if i wanted to do some announcing as well so um so i took that opportunity and yeah man i was able i was there if you go on to the pit bike moto um instagram and go to their reels uh they put up the live um moto from some of those money races in the pit bike race and um i was there to announce that and then of course afterwards i interviewed the top three uh, for the crowd and got them all hyped up and stuff. So yeah, man, I had a, I had an absolute blast thinking, you know, thinking more on it now, talking about it. Oh, heck yeah. So you got to have some fun. Dude. You, yeah, you had a lot of fun. That's for sure. That was definitely sick. Yeah. And got to talk to a lot of people and, um, Austin Meads, his, his mom was part of the crew there and, uh, got to hang out with them for a little while. And, um, you know, got to talk some WMX racing with Jason Spurl and, and, you know, his daughter and, um, yeah, man, I mean, dude, there was a, there was a lot that, that went down, uh, on the weekend, but overall, if you guys want to, especially in January when there's not much racing that's happening on that side of the coast, um, man, go and check that out for next year. You guys will not, you you know, you guys won't regret it. It's one of those things that's cool. It's a hell of a lot of fun. And, man, you're just there riding pit bikes with your buddies going Mach 10. 
when it when you're really only going like 15 miles an hour, but it feels like you're going Mach 10, you know? Heck yeah. Yeah, so that was that was a whole lot of fun and um yeah, man, just overall it was uh, I'm trying to think back on some on some funny moments. There was definitely some carnage. Um unfortunately, one of the guys that was working the event was one of the guys always telling people to watch their backs because you just never know what's going to happen, right? And unfortunately, Uh man, he took his eye off the track for one minute and one guy got a little whiskey throttle and ended up taking his feet out um, with the back tire. And um, he had his head pretty good. And I I believe he broke a bone in his foot, but he's okay. Um, But that was one of the that was one of the things that was just like, man, you just never know. And I remember Burkeen almost hit me in the in the whoops uh, on practice. And um and from there, I was like, "Yeah, bro, I'm not standing anywhere near these whoops, man. There ain't no, there ain't no way. I mean, even though they, they were, you know, they were small, right? But still, man, right. anybody can get whiskey throttle through there and oh, just right. nope. send it. Not happening. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Happening. So, um, but yeah, I mean, good track. They, uh, of course, tamed it down for the pit bikes and stuff. But they had multiple little, um rhythms uh through there they had like a little on off and then you could go to the outside and just table over single right and uh some tabletops they had a pretty big nice little fun big jump in the middle it's just a big table single for the most part and um yeah they used a rubber band start and one of the guys went before the rubber band even went so he took the whole rope with him and it like wrapped around his neck and stuff. And he just went all the way to the whole shot with the rubber band. No shot. Bro, came back, had no idea that that thing was still wrapped around him. So they had to stop him and pretty much take the the rope and like go around his neck a couple of times to get it out of his neck to put it back up onto the gate. So... <laughs> That was that was pretty wild, but dude, there were so many divisions Good. and so many riders that were in that like bone stock and um and trail bike open and then the trail bike open money class and um man, it's unbelievable. And some of those pit bikes, dude, I swear they cost more than my RMZ four fifty that's sitting in the garage, you know? Like, dude, some of those are tricked out. They sound so good. I mean, swing arms, um, 65 cc shocks and forks and um dude like triple clamps i mean handlebars you know the whole deal i mean they make that thing look like it should be at you know anaheim one. Oh, dude they don't they don't mess around when it comes to this thing no they do not they do not yeah like but i mean they put money into like i would I, I mean i really want one just to have one because I mean, you may not be going that fast, but you feel it make you feel like you're going fast as hell. Oh yeah. no, Peter. Especially if you get one like modded out. Yeah. But when they mod them out, dude, they're so sick. God, they're so sick. Yeah, they they seriously are. And man, I tell you what, like I said, if you guys just want to have a good fun weekend of pit bikes and hanging out with your buddies and camping for the weekend, make sure to go and check out the two thousand and twenty five pit bike moto events only a one-time thing uh each year so this was their fifth year running um but fourth year at that stadium so um this upcoming one will be their fifth uh or so that was, this was their yeah this was their fifth but fourth time so next year will be their fifth at the um stadium of course so 
yeah, make sure you guys go and check that out. Check out the socials and, you know, all of that stuff for the Pit Bike Moto event. And uh, appreciate them for allowing me to come in and uh, announce and just be a part of it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, dirt Industries Custom Graphics. For over 10 years, they've designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals. Tuna Motocross and Consumer Markets, their high-quality decals are considered by many to be the best in the industry. Professionals and weekend warriors alike utilize the awesome graphics and decals. The highly acclaimed design team is well-equipped to help their customers get the look they want in a short amount of time. And the design team provides itself on creative collaboration, and they offer superior quality decals at top not and top-notch designs at an affordable price for any budget. Make sure you guys use the code IMPERATIVEMX, all caps, no space, for 15% off code to save money on your next Dirt Industries custom graphics purchase. Helmet wraps, banners, license plates, and much more if you guys need some uh, jersey ID kits for your jerseys. They can do that as well. So make sure to go and check out the awesome people over there at Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. And FXR, they're back for 2024. And I'm really, really stoked. Been with these guys for five years, even before we did the podcast. And of course, Imperative MX came. So I'm really, really excited that they've um, come to help us here in 2024. We'll be doing plenty of uh, some giveaways throughout the year and some awesome other stuff coming from the FXR racing guys from high performance snow rider wear to motocross gear. FXR has you covered. The continuing growth of FXR means more selection for you. Jackets, jerseys, pants, gloves, snow gear, whatever it is, FXR has you covered. And in my opinion and many others uh, opinion. Go and check out the best in sizing, fitting, and venting for motocross riding gear. Go and check out fxrracing.com and find them on social media as well. And thanks for their continuing support, of course, and the brand new 2024 and 2024.5 gear selections are live on the site. So make sure to go and check out all of the new colorways and styles to get you ready for the 2024 season. And also, give FTA, Full Throttle Adrenaline, a look at from the FXR guys as well. Phil Nicoletti has been wearing the FTA brand, which is an alternative apparel brand designed to inspire and connect all racers. And the stuff looks good, and you know it's top-notch, especially if it comes from the guys at FXR. Total Control Racing Suspension. Chad Newton, he owned an arena cross team for 10 years, so you guys know he knows his stuff. Throughout the years, he's helped out Luke Neese, Mike McDay, Tyler Bright, Josh Thomas, Kyle Peters, Jacob Hayes, Jim Chester, and many other local legends have trusted Chad with their suspension in AMA Motocross, Supercross, Arena Cross, or at the local races. TotalControlSuspension.com from professional to amateur, Total Control Suspension has you covered. Go and get your suspension tuned up, get your oil changed, and get your Oil seals replace, especially with the new season coming in, and be comfortable on the bike. So contact Chad Newton over at Total Control Racing Suspension to help you get that comfort that you guys are looking for. PR Motorsports, your newest trackside support trailer at the local races. They ensure you riders get on the gate and continue racing each weekend. If you guys need anything, find their trailer at the local races from tires to engine fixes. 
MPR Motorsports is your trackside support rig for the surrounding area and states. Find them on social media, and thanks to Charlie and Justin for all of their help with everyone at the local motocross races here in our local states. Hydropower. Hydropower is formulated by a sports nutritionist himself to help you eliminate arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster. Go and check out dirt, uh, drinkhydropower.com to get your Blue Raz today. And of course, they have plenty of other flavors. Go and check out their website. Check out their reviews of riders just like you getting that help to eliminate arm pump and increase their endurance. The link is in the description of this podcast for 10% off your purchase of any Hydropower products. And Silver Valley, Heavy D, tell me about Silver Valley MX Park. The only local national there is. The greatest, the best, the gnarliest, only local national that you don't ever want to miss. No, of course not. And uh, I see that they have the Moto Academy, AJ Catanzaro coming in, uh, I believe in May. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, go and check out their social media. They have it on there. Um, and then, of course, Heavy D, we got that $20,000 open AB Pro, uh, Pro Shootout uh, in October this year. So you know we're going to get hyped up and we're going to get you guys hyped up on it. <laughs> you already know. We're going to be extra hype about it. We're going to make sure it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all time this year. It's got to be all time. There's no other choice. And I tell you what, this 2024 Monster Energy AMA Supercross season may be one for the record books. We'll look back in a couple of years and say, man, this has been one of the, that was one of the best racing seasons of all time. So let's go ahead and get our Trey Steyer here on the line to talk about Monster Energy AMA Supercross, the Triple Crown from this past weekend, and of course, the Detroit rounds coming up. Uh, this weekend. Let's go ahead and get Trey here on the line. And now on the line is our Trey Steyer from ImperativeMX.com. Trey, appreciate you uh, coming on once again. Thanks for having me. Not a problem, not a problem, man. It's been a wild uh, four rounds so far, of course, of the Monster Energy AMA Supercross Championship and uh, Anaheim 2 Triple Crown did not disappoint, huh, Trey? It was definitely another entertaining race. 450 class was kind of all over the place. You had Joe Macron up front. You had Webb. You had Anderson. You had Jet. You had Sexton. A bunch of guys moving around. 250 race was also pretty good. Uh, Levi and RJ had some great battles throughout the night. Uh, Thrasher and Shimoda and Smith mixed it up a little bit as well. And Overall, I think that's one of the benefits of having the Triple Crowns scattered throughout the schedule is this year already is an unpredictable season, and you throw that in a completely different format. Three races, main events, whatever you want to call them, instead of just one, and it really shakes things up a little bit. And now this week, headed back east, a little bit of sense of normalcy for the 450s, but of course the 250 West guys will be off. So now we got another championship to start. Yeah, absolutely. Your thoughts on uh, the Triple Crown at Anaheim 2, Heavy D? Yeah, it was... Man, it was – I love the Triple Crown, me personally. But I think it's pretty interesting um, just because it ain't like like your normal layout, normal main event, you know, where uh, you can kind of have a game plan 
with a main event like Triple Crown, it's like for three races back to back to back, you know, you kind of got to, you got to get going early and start fast. You can't just kind of wait around. You got to make things happen quick. So for me, I like that. And it was, it was all over the place, man. I just, I know I made a comment about it, but I just, the only thing I didn't like is how Sexton just let Jet by. That was probably my only bad takeaway from it, but teach his own, you know, he probably has some issues. Who knows? Yeah, I think the Triple Crown, obviously, you have to be consistent, right, uh, for three main events to get the overall. And Cooper Webb did just that. And um, after a, a heartbreak, he was really close in the, in the championship fight last year before he got injured, of course, and uh, comes back this year on the Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing Team. A lot of people don't know exactly how he's going to do. We saw some Paris. And that ain't look too hot, so he had a lot of work to do. But of course, whenever that gate drops, Cooper Webb knows how to race, huh, Trey? Yeah, one hundred percent. Not sure before the season. That's another one of those not sure before the season things. But two two five for the overall was kind of interesting to me. Obviously, that shows how many people have been up front this year and the amount of competition there is. But there's just something about Supercross season. But it feels like no matter how the offseason went or how the summer went, it seems like Webb just flips the switch when it gets to indoor time. And I'm one, he should have been on the podium and went down late. Him and Anderson were battling for a second pretty much the whole race. Motor race wasn't too great, but you saw San Diego. Uh, he was catching AP at multiple points. And then this week, Webb's a guy that has been really good so far. And now he's only either four or six points out of the championship. I don't remember right off the top of my head, but he's within striking distance. And Cooper Webb getting close to the points lead is always a pretty dangerous situation for whoever's in front. And I think he's going to be one to watch in the next few races. Obviously, I don't think any guy's going to just clip off a bunch of wins in a row this year, but a confident Cooper Webb is one of the most dangerous riders I think we've ever seen. Yeah, you agree, Heavy D, or your thoughts on uh, Webb from the weekend? No, I agree, man. Like, honestly, you see, he, he stayed consistent, you know. And he, he got the overall without winning a main, but he, he got two seconds and a fifth, you know, to get the overall. And, and like Trey says, man, a confident Cooper Webb, which he's always confident. But, man, like, that dude, he's just relentless. And when he's on, he is the – I, I say he's the most dangerous rider out there when he's on and he, he's got you in his sights or his crosshairs. So like he's, he, he don't back down, man. That's a scary thing. Even in, in crunch time, it, it's like he thrives and stuff like that when most riders hate being in that position. He loves it. Yeah, he loves this type of shit. And you can tell just from previous years, right? I mean, if he's within striking distance, uh, that is scary for everybody else he he did it his his winning year titles and also the ones that he hasn't won he's been pretty close and in the fight there for a little bit so he is definitely a dangerous competitor for sure and he's only six points back of uh ap uh who holds the red plate again going into detroit we'll get to him in a second um but i think the surprise for me was uh was tomac he kind of sl- started the the year off slow but I think with that third main event win, able to grab the whole shot and just check out from everybody, ride his own race, and be second on the night, I believe that gives Cody, uh, 
Tomac some confidence moving into uh, this weekend in Detroit, Trey? Yeah, Eli, I'm, I'm still a little hesitant to say he's fully back, but Saturday night was definitely a step in the right direction. Seeing him get out front, lead laps again, and of course get the checkered flag. And, you know, once again, like whether if Tomac is feeling strong, feeling confident, he's another guy that could be up there and be a problem for those guys. Obviously, two-time champion, should have been three. But for him, he just needs to continue putting the starts together. I have no doubt that he'll get stronger as the season goes. Obviously, being off the bike for six or seven months was a bit of a detriment to him this offseason. But continuing to go through the season, get more reps on the bike, get more races un- under his belt, I think is only going to help him as well. And that star Yamaha duo, obviously the Red Bull KCM duo has started off really well also, but I think the star Yamaha duo of Webb and Tomac is one that is really under the radar in the sense of, wow, we put two guys together that there's not a clear A guy and a B guy. Usually when you have a 450 team, you think back, you know, I think about uh, Ricky and Tortelli on Suzuki, or Reed and Ferry, or Stu and at first burn and then Ferry. You know, usually you think about these 450 duos, obviously, star as a trio, but you think usually there's an A and a B guy. And for Star Yamaha, that's not really the case. They have two two time champions, which is a really good dynamic. And those are two guys I don't really think that they'll get in each other's way and rub each other the wrong way either. I think that's a duo that can work out really good. And I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the year if Star Yamaha walks away with another title, whether it's Webb or Tomac. Tomac, heavy D? Yeah, no, I'm going to say I agree just because, honestly, here's what's funny. So, like, you know how Trey just says, usually an A guy and a B guy. I honestly feel like that deal is a bit different. With those two, I don't. I don't feel like I'm like. I don't feel like there's an A guy or a B guy. I think honestly, with you know Eli coming off that injury, of course, you know they they they're fine with whoever wins. You know they want both of them to win, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it can only be one winner. And I don't really think they're too worried if Tomac doesn't win a Supercross championship this year. I think for them, it was more getting them back in race form and uh, being able to get, get, get back out there and get comfortable and actually get some wins under his belt, which I definitely think he's going to do. And uh, I think for uh, Cooper, they could definitely see him winning, you know, from jump winning the championship because he's right there, you know. Um, So I, I definitely think uh, that that's one of those deals – no matter what, it can be either either one of them can win a championship. Like I said, I don't think they're worried of, worried about Tomac winning it this year. Personally, I think they just want him to get back comfortable and start getting some wins. And he did that with that third main event win last week. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, and I think another team too that um, we didn't think we're going to have two A riders. Right, was the Red Bull Factory Racing KTM team, and of course you got AP. Uh, Aaron Plessinger now on uh, now in the points lead again for the second week in a row going back to the same stadium that took him out of a win last year 
Um, and he gets third overall on the night. Uh, Anderson had it, but of course he got docked for uh, going off the track and around the whoops. But um, AP, Trey, this is a really, really good start. I think Saturday night was a great sign for AP. I still don't think he's the championship favorite or anything like that. But for him to have the red plate and be able to keep it and stay consistent and get a third place, I think that's a great sign. I think that proves he can be a contender. A lot of times early in the rounds, you know, you'll have a guy string together two or three races, get the red plate, and then fall off through the season. But seeing Aaron finish third the other night, obviously, as you said, uh, the Anderson penalty helped him out a little bit. But staying right there and up front with those guys shows that maybe he has taken that next step. You know, it was one thing for him to go from podium guy to winner. But if he can go from podium guy to winner and championship contender at the same time, it's going to be huge. And it's going to throw another guy's name into the hat that, you know, we could have in this championship conversation. I think before the year, we would have said, you know, AP will be a podium guy. He'll be usually like fourth to seventh range. But for him to be a championship contender this early in the season and obviously keeping really good results so far, he might be another guy to watch throughout the year. Plessinger, uh, Heavy D? Yeah. What, what I want to say is, and this is just me personally, it's just my personal opinion and my take on it. I don't really consider Plessinger a B guy in, in this situation with Red Bull KTM. And here, here's my, my personal reason why. It sounds bad. Yes, Chase, he, he won the championship last year, fair and square. But I just, in this particular situation, I, I don't really consider him an A guy. And I'm going to tell you why I don't. I don't because I don't feel like he has that A mentality. Like, you know, like that, that, that lead guy mentality to go win at all costs. Like, you, kind of, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, say for instance, like, and the reason I say that is just because, man, last year I know he had a bunch of yeah he had what seven, eight, eight crashes that was just tip overs and corners, and ultimately yeah, Tomac got hurt and it he won a championship. He you know he you had you got to be there in order to win it. But man, it's just like even last year when Tomac got hurt, like he didn't he didn't have to go out there and win like those last two races or even the one he was winning. He just had to finish a certain position, but he had that that mentality to go win. That that that's my thing. I don't feel like Chase, he he, he don't have that mentality to go win. Like when he let Jet by, he didn't even put up a fight, dude. Like didn't even he just let him walk right on by. And I understand people say, you know, he wasn't in tune with his machine and and this and that. I just, Jimmy. I just don't. I honestly, I just, I can't really agree with that. Like in in this situation, like AP wants to win. He's always wanted to win. It, of course, it's taken him a bit longer to get there. You know, to be in that contention. But I mean, he he's there and he he's trying to win it, just about all costs, anytime he can. So I mean, I I mean, I feel like he's he's a top guy on the team. Like. 
I feel like they should be looking for him to go out there and not just podium, but actually get some race wins and be fighting four titles just like they do. They expect Chase to. I feel like they got two A guys. Oh, well, I feel like Plessinger's an A guy, per se. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the year, right, we did. I, I think most of us would say that he was a, um, you know, for the seven guy, just like what Trey said. So you would consider that, yeah. you know, in quotations, right, like a B rider. And I think it's, I think it's cool to see that two teams um, have two A guys uh, that are, you know, within the championship fight four rounds. I don't know when the last time that happened was. Um, because more majority of the time you just have one rider that's up there at the front, um, not really much teammates uh, going at it. So I think that that I think that throws a wrench into it. Anderson uh, finished fourth on the night. Of course, uh, he got the uh, one main event uh, or that one race win in main two. Um, I think he's uh, he's for real and he's back. He wasn't gelling with the bike last year, and obviously it showed. But here in 2024, uh, Jason Anderson is back, Trey. Uh, another guy, once again, that I think proved he can be a contender. Um, yeah, last year was obviously rough after an incredible season in 22, both indoors and out. And now he's back to form. He's back up front. Obviously, the final race of the evening on Saturday night wasn't ideal for him. He got that cutting track penalty. and But he, he did bite back to, up to seventh eighth with the penalty but I think that shows also you know his ability to claw through the pack last year it probably wouldn't have been as good he probably only got to like maybe 12 or so but he's getting back to a good place as well there's so many guys you know that have looked good early in the season as we've mentioned the past couple weeks you know there's no clear favorite you have all of these guys who are showing winning pace and even some guys who haven't won yet that are showing really good pace and nobody has broke out and took this championship yet four rounds into it and that's something we're not used to usually round round four round five somewhere in that area we start to see a couple guys break away we're through four rounds and we haven't seen anybody do that yet and maybe anderson's the guy to do it i don't know but that's another guy who, you know, with the level of the field, he could finish first. First, he could finish sixth. I wouldn't be surprised with either. I agree. Uh, Anderson, heavy D? Yeah, man. Anderson, here's what's funny. I don't think it was ever – for everybody else, I think people probably thought, like, you know, nobody expected Anderson to be what he is. Like now, but what what's funny is he's he's always like look, he's been that guy, you know. It's just whether or not I think he has his moves, whether or not he wants to go win or not, or try to go win. Like I mean, he won a, he won a Supercross championship in the 450 class and come back the next year and didn't really do good because he didn't want the spotlight. Like he didn't want to try and contend because he didn't want to be in the spotlight. So like now, I think it's one of those deals like. I was um, listening to the Gypsy, Gypsy Tail podcast, and he's like thinking about going to doing the MXGP. So I think it's one of those deals now. It's like, all right, okay, if I want to go do that and 
get a good ride. I kind of need to go like try and win some this year. Like I feel like that's how he's thinking me personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool that uh, he's thinking about going to go do that. I think uh, I think he'll do well and he'll um, he'll fit good over there. And um, Sexton fifth, Armour Knight comes out swinging, winning that first uh, race, and then from there. Um, he got eleventh and a uh, and a second, but that eleventh hurt him, Trey. Yeah, second race with the bad start and then hitting, getting tangled with Chiz. Excuse me, that hurt. But you know, if he didn't have that in there, he could have easily won the overall. It's pretty clear to say, and he really hasn't had those problems like he did on the Honda last year. You know, everybody was poking fun and, oh, he's going to talk the front and all that stuff, and that really hasn't happened this year. Or just making the little mistakes. Obviously a bad start, and he, he got tangled. That was a mistake. But, you know, it wasn't one of those deals like last year, and he was just running out in the middle of nowhere and then just boom, on the ground. Um, I think he really is gelling with the KTM so far. He really likes the bike from what I've heard in other places. He's very comfortable, and Sometimes change is good. I mean, that's a guy who's been on Honda since he was an amateur. You know, he turned pro back in 17, and even a couple years before that, he was still a Honda amateur. So maybe this KTM switch could be something that gets him to the next level. Obviously, he's been there. You know, he was second best behind Tomac Outdoors 22 and in Supercross last year until the Tomac injury. He was probably the second best guy behind Jet in the motocross season this summer and i'm sure he's probably sticking out hearing that at this point and he's proven you know that he doesn't want to be that second best guy obviously every, all these guys want to go out there and win and maybe that's put a little bit of a chip on his shoulder for this year um it will be interesting to see if he can stay upright minimize the mistakes there have been a couple rounds that haven't been ideal with the crash at San Diego and then uh, the incident with Chisholm the other night, but it's a lot cleaner. I feel that last year as well, because as I said, you know, there would be times he'd be out front or just cruising around somewhere. And then all of a sudden he would go down There's other things. His two mistakes this year that have been really big have been off the start and in close quarters. And if he can keep the mistakes down and stay up front and keep a good mentality, that's another six or seven guys at this point that could win a championship. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know you spoke on it a little bit earlier, Heavy D, but anything else on Sexton from your end? I don't know. I just, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's only been, what, four rounds? This will be fifth this weekend, right? Right. Yeah. It'll be the fifth round this weekend. I'm not gonna, I'm not totally sold on the whole bike switch being good. I'm be honest with you. I think him like crashing all last year that was on him in Supercross. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I don't think that was the bike by any means. He could say it was the bike, but I don't think it was the bike because he went outdoors. How many times did he fall? Leave and fail like hardly any. Like not like he did Supercross. He just got flat out beat. Like, and this year so far, we've only been four rounds, and he's went. I think he he's been he's got like a podium, like a third. He's won one, an eighth, and a fifth. Like, 
the telltale for me is if he gets out front several rounds and he's got pressure on him, then see what to see what happens. I think that'll be the telltale. I think a lot of that majority was him. Like, you know, he he before Tomac got hurt, he was done. Like he it wasn't no more pushing for him last year. He was like he was fully settled to take second last year. I hundred percent believe that. And then when Tomac got hurt, he got the championship and it was good. Like right now, like I feel like even deep down, he he still believes like okay, like yeah, he won a championship, but he only won because Tomac got hurt. I fully believe he believes that. That's just my personal opinion. But like I say, more rounds, I, I I'll believe it. I'll be sold on him once I see he's out front in more races, and if he holds it together, then that'll be the telltale for me when it comes to change. And that's just not hating. That's just my opinion on it. I just don't feel like it was any bike. I felt like it was just flat out him. Uh, Honda HRC's Jet Lawrence on a dry track, triple crown, obviously um, got third in that second main and could have had another podium in that third race, but ended up on that last lap, ended up going down. Um, Trey, what's going on with uh, with Jet here? How do you, how do how you think he's uh, feeling going into Detroit this weekend? That's a good question. Um, it's definitely been a rough couple weeks for him. Of course, he comes out swinging A1. Everybody thinks, oh, here we go again. Then he gets slapped in the mud race, the incident with Anderson, and uh, this past weekend. You know, it wasn't a bad race by any means, but obviously the mistake, him going down there in the last minute, it cost him. He probably could have been on the podium overall if he hadn't went down there. I don't know. It's it's probably an uncomfortable feeling with Jet. As I said before, this is not a guy who's dealt with a ton of adversity through his career so far. And now he's he's a little bit behind, obviously not out of it. He's only a few points down, but he's not the points leader right now. And I think one thing that could be messing with him, the fans are turning on him. Yep. I mean, I saw the video this week of lots of booze in and uh, opening ceremonies, and he's not used to that. I mean, obviously, there were some before that were already sick of him winning all the time, and now I feel like with the Anderson thing, that's just given more people fuel for that. Yep. And for him, he just needs to go out there, get a good start, and lay it to him, is my opinion on the deal. If he gets up front this weekend, gets a good start, he's going to win. And... That's what he needs to do the rest of the round. He's got a target on his back. You know, for a guy to come up and have a, such a big target on his back already is kind of unprecedented. We haven't seen it since probably Stu back in 05. Yep. You know, the the amount of hype, the amount of fanfare, and then somebody coming in, of course, you know, he he's brought some of it on himself, messing with Anderson and the whole, you know, I want to win 73 Supercross races thing. And, you know, you can point that to being a little bit young, a little bit naive, but the one thing he really needs to do is he needs to get good starts and he needs to get out front. And I think that would be the best thing for him because if he's going to be in the pack, those guys are not going to give him any room. They are going to be on him and make his life miserable. He needs to get out front and get a start so he can start building that confidence back up and, you know, remind everybody that he's that guy. Jet Heavy D. Yes. The thing with honest and 
this is how I, I felt from the beginning. Outdoors, Supercross is a lot harder to win in than outdoors is. Because one, you there's no room for error in Supercross. You have to be consistently consistent. And for for Jet, like yeah, he did good supercross at two fifties, but you, you with the big boys now. Outdoors, it's a lot more track, a lot more time. You can make more mistakes and also you're racing fast guys, but the risk versus reward factor isn't as great in outdoors as it is in supercross. You know, the money factor, it's it's more glory in supercross than it is in outdoors. Granted, I know a lot's changed with the whole SMX thing, but still, it's it's a little it's a bit different. So in Supercross, like, yeah, you gotta get good starts, but it's it's a lot more it's a lot more closer. It's like those dudes there, they're off of blood. Like the whole the whole pack. And it's granted he is fast. He's definitely one of the fastest dude dudes out there. But it's it, it I knew it wasn't going to be as easy in Supercross as it was for outdoor form. And I think a lot of people fail to realize that. And I think he didn't realize that. Also, he's he he's that guy, like, in a sense, he's right now in the class, he's topped out. And, like, kind of what I mean by that is, like, he's the fastest guy, so – he has more to lose than he does the game because everybody's chasing him. They can kind of, they can kind of bring that level where he is. So he's got to get back to being a top. Everybody that's basically chasing him. If that not makes sense, if I explain this, I'll explain it in a funky way. <laughs> but no, nah, I got you. We we got you. We got you for sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think obviously uh, coming out and getting the whole shot and winning Anaheim one, um, he had a lot of expectations, and these last three rounds have been not going uh, has not gone the way that he's wanted to. Obviously, with the target on his back, like Trey and you mentioned, um, it's going to be hard for him. Supercross is very very tough to be consistently consistent. Exactly what you said, Heavy D, and um, he's falling, uh, which I think is. Um, Weird. We haven't really. I mean, yes, in the 250 class, he did here and there, but when it counted, um, he normally never faltered, right? And now um, he's crashing in some of these main events, making silly mistakes, just like he did in San Diego through the whoops, um, you know, in the heat race, and uh, just you know, things haven't been going his way. So I think here in Detroit, he definitely needs to figure out a way to bring him back up to the front, and I think starts and having a good start. Uh, will help him, right? That's what helped him in Anaheim one, and I think um, I think he needs to get back uh, onto those good starts to be able to help him out because there are those top six guys that are within those six points that are that are just as fast and can play the the right mind games and um, that sort of thing. Those main events are long, and when you got somebody breathing down your down your neck, or um, you know uh, the the pressure comes, so it comes quick. And um, Ken Roxon. Uh, on the Suzuki, finished out in seventh on the night, and he's only had one podium throughout the year. The fastest guy that hasn't gotten multiple podiums, I think. Uh, Trey, what's your thoughts on uh, Roxon's performance from uh, Anaheim? 
not great, but Kenny has been very fast this season. He's just dealt with a lot of bad luck, whether it's been early crashes or, you know, getting stuck and losing vision temporarily there in San Francisco. He was out front and then went down. I mean, I don't know. If he can just put one race together completely, I think he'll be back up front more often. For Kenny, he just he just has to start chaining together, you know, seconds, thirds, fourth. He does probably need to get a win or two, obviously, but he just needs to start chaining together top fives. It's one thing, you know, to get third like he did at San Francisco and came back, but having tenths and elevenths and sevenths on the board is not ideal. That's not going to win the championship. And for him to get back into this thing, he's going to have to start being a podium guy or a top five guy every week. Is he capable of that? Absolutely. I think he just needs to have a smooth round. You know, obviously San Francisco, he got a podium. It was a great finish, but nobody really had a smooth round at San Francisco. <laughs> I was saying San Diego. San Francisco, excuse me. Nobody had a smooth round really at that race with all the mud and the weather and stuff. Everything's been kind of crazy these next few weeks. We're settling down. It could be the perfect time for him to settle in, get back where he belongs, and just minimize the the outside things and the other issues that have hurt him. Just put his head down, focus, and that's another guy that could very well end up on the podium and start stringing stuff together and get a bunch of momentum going. Roxon Heavy D? Yeah, I just... Man, Trey, honestly, he explained it to a T. I really... I mean, he has the speed to go get wins. If he can... I just feel like Kenny needs to get back to, like, getting those consistent starts. If he gets if he gets back to getting those consistent starts, he'll be fine. Like I honestly feel like Kenny can rip off wins this season. I think he can I think he can win more than two. He almost won he last weekend and in San Diego, uh, uh, right? I mean he grabbed the uh, whole shot, yeah. grabbed the early lead and just had a silly silly mistake. Like I honestly feel like when it comes down to it Kenny could be in the championship fight. I, I want to see it come down to the last round where the the it has to be decided by a win. Like, if you want to get the championship, you got to win the last round. And I feel like Kenny is a guy that can be there to do that. Yep. I agree 100% with you, Heavy D um, and Trey. I believe uh, I believe both of you have great, great points uh, so far. Um Justin Cooper uh, ended up in eighth uh, with a 10-5-6. I feel like that was a better performance, especially that race two and three for Justin Cooper, Trey. He was one of the most surprising people on Saturday, especially with the fastest qualifying time. Agreed. I don't really think any of us would have expected that. I mean, obviously, he was fast in his 250 career, former 250 champion. But for him to come out like that and grab a fastest qualifying time, which, you know, we see that every once in a while, a guy will kind of be an 8-10 to 10 guy and then come out of nowhere and grab the fastest qualifier. But it surprised me. And as you said, the second races, the second race and the third race, 
fifth and a sixth is really good with the amount of competition. And that's another guy. Obviously, he did select 450 round last year, but that's another guy getting used to racing with Tomac and Webb and Roxon and all those guys every week. He's been racing the Lawrences and, you know, RJ, people like that in the 250 class for so long. And now for him to show that he can qualify fastest and run top five, top 10, I think that's a great sign. I think. He's having sort of the season that I expected out of Hunter Lawrence. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily know if he's going to win races, but showing speed and being a top ten guy. There's been a couple bad rounds as well. He didn't qualify at San Francisco, but that was a big statement on Saturday night, proving that you know in the afternoon that he could be faster than the best guys, and then showing that he can run with them during the triple crown races that could be a really big confidence booster for him and he's another guy that has been under the radar going into the season i don't see him winning races but if he continues what he did on saturday he could grab a couple podiums become a consistent top five top ten guy and in his first year, I think that would be a great step for him as a rookie. I agree. Uh, Co- Justin Cooper, heavy D? Yeah. Uh, if he could uh, if he, if he could get out front, or just, I, I honestly feel like get up in the mix and be able to learn to lay down those times and you know hold a solid pace and, and learn to be out front with the big guys out there. He'd be a force to reckon with. And I feel like him going out there and uh, time qualifying and throwing down that fast lap time was a big step in the right direction. It goes to show it's like, all right, I have the speed to run up. Like, I have the speed and the capability to be up there. Now it's just getting that start, getting that mindset, and getting getting that experience running up there to be there. I, I think that's that's all he needs for sure. Yeah, I I agree. I think he's a definitely a sleeper um, and an underdog throughout the year. I believe that he's going to be sneaky good, and uh, obviously he's always been a guy that um, has the endurance, right? So I believe that he can go the full race and um, be up there in that top five and be knocking on the door for podiums uh, before the year is over for sure. And I believe, just like Trey said, huge confidence booster uh, for him going into these next couple of rounds, knowing that he can be just as fast as these guys. Uh, he's just got to get a start and uh, be with those guys and be in the mix. Just like you said, Heavy D, learn as much as you can. Be in the mix, though. you got to be in the mix to learn uh, what to do, what not to do, um, and see what those guys are doing, right, and what he can do better or be better at. Um, Ferrandis finished out in ninth. Uh, he had an eight fifteen seven. So you take out that fifteen, and you put another eight. Uh, he could be in a much better position than the ninth overall. But Ferrandis uh, being seventh in points uh, in front of Roxon, I don't believe people uh, thought about Dylan Ferrandis being uh, this good and this consistent uh, on this Phoenix Racing Honda team. Uh, Trey. I don't think so either. And for him to be a top 10 machine so far early in the season, is a really great sign. 
Um, we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, you know, he was pretty miserable last year at Star. And for him to go with a brand new 450 team and have as much success as he has so far, I think it's been a great start to the season for him. Take away the second moto, and he could have probably been a couple of places higher overall. That's that's a lot of guys you take away one of their motos, and they could have been higher. But I think four top tens in four races is really good for Ferrandis, especially with an unproven team and a lot of question marks in the offseason. And there was a thing I saw or when I was writing today for my Unsung Heroes articles that should be up well, tomorrow as we're recording this, but him and Freddie Noren are really the only two full-on privateer guys that have qualified for every new event because Wilson failed to qualify, Kate Clayson failed to qualify, but Ferrandis and Freddie, two of the European riders, the Frenchman and the Swede, you know, they're plugging away, getting solid results, especially Ferrandis's case, and he just keeps chugging along and knocking down top tens. Ferrandis heavy D. Yeah, man, I'm I'm a big Ferrandis fan, dude. You know he's the Frenchman, the crafty. I, I he ain't the crappy Frenchman. I hadn't really came up with a a Frenchman name for him yet because Marvin was the crafty Frenchman. But uh, I like him, dude. And you know, I hate that he wasn't happy over it star you know he just wasn't getting the attention he deserved as a as a top 450 guy apparently and I mean, it is what it is you know he, he did what was best for him and i'm not gonna lie for him to go over to an unproven team you know like phoenix like trey said is uh it's a risky move dude because it's it's different you know you're going somewhere you ain't never been you're going somewhere that you know nobody has been on that bike in the premier class and the only person that's been on it class is basically Kyle Peters and a, a few other guys, you know, and it, it's different. It's, it, it's, a, it's, it's a lot tougher task, you know, at hand to go to a satellite team and, and compete with the top guys, you know, in, in AMA Supercross and dude, so far he's been killing it. And I mean, honestly, for somebody coming over like that to improve a team, you couldn't ask for much more. And I only see it going up because, I mean, th- those guys are going to learn each other. He's going to learn a team. The team's going to learn him. You know, th- they're going to get that bike better and better for him. So, I mean, he's doing solid. Yeah, I agree. And uh, coming in in that 10th spot on the night, it has not been the season I think a lot of us thought. Uh, of course, with the preseason flying at the test track, uh, rumors that were going around, and obviously I'm sure that they were true because Malcolm Stewart normally does fly uh, all the time. But I tell you what, the results have just not shown the speed that Malcolm Stewart can throw down, Trey. Uh, but he does finish up in 10th on the night with 11-10-9. It has not been a good start of the season at all, but oddly enough, it was a step in the right direction Saturday. He wasn't on the ground. I wasn't mechanical problems he was fast in qualifying he was up there with justin cooper as well uh top three top five pretty much the entire session both times i don't know husqvarna has had a lot of bad luck this year so far at least in the 450 class 
neither guy has really gotten going. And, you know, I bought into the hype as well. I actually picked Malcolm Stewart as my Anaheim one winner. And, you know, shame on me buying into flying at the test track. I usually don't do that because it always goes poorly a lot of times. But for Malcolm to kind of salvage this season so far, it just needs to start getting top tens, just start chipping away at a little bit better results every week. He just got a tenth. Maybe at Detroit he can go like sixth to eighth. And if he slowly starts climbing forward, you know, I think that will continue to help build his confidence. I mean, we're talking about a guy, he only ran, what, two, three races last year before he got hurt. Yep. So this is another guy that hasn't been in a race situation. Tomac, it was only uh, seven months or so, but for Malcolm, it was almost a year since he had raced. And if he can put some of the bad luck behind him, and just start little by little gaining on results. I think he could be back on the podium, but it's definitely not been an ideal start for his season, for his teammates' season. Husqvarna in general has really struggled in the 450 class this year, and hopefully having two unspectacular but fairly consistent nights out of both of their guys is what they need to start turning things around and heading in the right direction. I agree. Uh, Malcolm Stewart, heavy D. Yeah, man. It's just, God, he has had some of the worst luck so far this season. It's like, I, I really want to, I, I just want to see him get one good start to see where he fares out front because, man, his speed is there. Like, obviously, the speed is there. It's just, I don't know, man. It's one of those things, you know, we hear it every season. You know, those guys, that one guy that's just flying at the test track. And people, people don't realize, man, the test track and the racetracks, it's, it's, it's two totally different things. I, I understand. Everybody, you, you get hot because they look good at the test track. But, man, it's... It's hard to go from not racing Harley to jumping right back into racing and trying to get up front. It's it's not an easy task, you know. Like we always preach to these kids, you know, and families, like, man, go race, go race as much as possible, get a racecraft. The more you race, the more you're gonna learn and you'll learn to run out front. So it's just one of those things. Like once he you know, he, he's getting into it and uh I think that he like he put that string of bad luck behind him, like Trey says, he'll be all right. It's just he's just got to get him up there. Got got to see what he can do because I think he can for sure. I agree. And um, uh, eleven through twenty-two, of course, uh, the finishes there. Honey Lawrence in eleventh, uh, Jorge Prado in twelfth. He was really close to getting the whole shot. We know that he had been looking to grab a whole shot before he. Uh, is done for this Supercross season. And, of course, it was good to have uh, the Spaniard over for these first four rounds. And uh, 12th on a night uh, isn't isn't too bad. And, of course, uh, Luke Kalasian, uh getting into his first uh, 450 main event this past weekend. Is there anything from both of you guys uh, from 11 to 22 on the night from Anaheim 2 before we move on to the 250 class real quick? I'll go first. Um, Barsha, rough night for Bam Bam. Yeah, not a good, not you know, a good he was night. Just, 
just on the podium at San Diego and then just AWOL on Saturday night. Very uncharacteristic of him. Justin Hill, big rebounders for him. This is a guy who missed the night show at San Francisco and then failed to qualify for the main event at San Diego. He gets back in the top 15, kind of where he belongs. He had bad luck a couple weeks in a row, and now he's put that behind him. And as you mentioned, Luke Kalatian, shout out to him as I tweeted about when it happened. He became the first rider who competed in the current format of Supercross Futures, which was introduced in 2022, to qualify for a 450 main event. So shout out to Luke. Full privateer Honda effort there. The 636. Um, he made a bit of history. It didn't go the way he wanted because I believe he had a pretty big crash in the whoops the first race mm-hmm. and then wasn't able to race the second and third race, but Bummer. he still made history on the weekend and shout out to him. No, that's that's awesome for sure. Anything from you, Heavy D? Um, no, I mean, Barsha just had a rough night, but I, he'll bounce back. I, you know, I think he'll bounce back and get back up there with those guys. I agree. And, I mean, looking at the points, uh, AP, Sexton, Webb, Jet, Tomac, Anderson, Ferrandez, Roxon. Um, I would really stop it there at Anderson to say because he has 67 and Plessinger has 80. Um, so those guys are within 13, 14. Um, you know, of each other. And um, I believe that this is definitely not the end of good racing. I think we have a lot of good racing uh, coming up for sure. And another class that we had some good racing and saw a lot of good racing in, of course, was the 250 class uh, with Levi Kitchen grabbing the win just like he did a year ago at this uh, Triple Crown format race in Anaheim 2. Goes 1-2-3, being consistent on the night. And I believe that this was a good step of confidence for Levi. And I believe that this year has been a different Levi than we have seen the last couple of years. Um, what are your thoughts, Trey, on, on Levi Kitchen grabbing the overall win this past weekend? The people who listened in last week will know that I said that the triple crown race could be very pivotal in his season, determining whether he is for real or not. And he answered my questions on Saturday night. Obviously, last year he did very well in the Triple Crown, got a win. But for him to have started so well in the first few races and then to be up front three in a row, that was huge for him. Now he's tied for the points lead. He'll be one guy with the red plate uh, in Glendale next weekend, February 7th, or February 10th, excuse me. But for him, that is what he needed. He didn't have to win every race, but for him to get good starts, get out front, stay out front, and then to win the overall, that was huge for him, huge for his confidence. And that really could have been the big momentum swing if we're looking back later in the season. That could have been a huge deal. And that might kind of unlock Kitchen as a guy that you really don't want to mess with and a guy that a lot of people are going to be, I wouldn't say scared of, but guys are going to look at him now and be like, okay, 
this kid is getting legit now. You know, before it's, well, he could win, but he could also be 12. But the way he has been up front so far, I think he is establishing himself as one of the top guys in the class. And he very well could be holding up that number one plate at the end of the season if he continues to do what he's done the first four weeks. Levi, have a D? Yeah, I just think he's he's uh he's definitely showing that like he's uh that Nick Payton Black is definitely still capable of running out front and winning. And it wasn't just that uh Star Yamaha crew. So I think he keeps it up like Trey said. He can uh he can definitely uh be holding that number one plate up at, at the end of the season. So I'm anxious to see and I'm excited for him. Exactly. And I think a bounce back uh, ride was the number 24 RJ Hampshire to get back on, up onto the podium um, and come away with one main event win or race win in that second one. Um, RJ Hampshire, Trey, second on the night. It was a solid rebound for him after throwing away some points there in San Diego. Um, the final race, I think it was, wasn't great per se, but for him to bring the fight to Levi, put pressure on. They were kind of going back and forth between the first two motives. Um, good race for RJ. He's only about six points out of it or so, which is still a good sign for him. Uh, I think, you know, he can take a lot of positives into this off week. Um, he sounded, you know, in a good place still when he was on the public back show the other night. And for him to have a pretty consistent night, is going to be a big help for him and, you know, going into the week off. This is a veteran guy. He's used to going into off weeks and knowing what he has to do to keep it up the next time he has a race. So I think the result was really good for RJ and helped him get back toward the front. Still in third place in the standings, but if he can keep up the consistency, and not have so many mistakes, he'll be right back in the thick of it with Kishin and with Jordan Smith. Hampshire, heavy D? Yeah, man. If he can stay consistent, he'll be fine. It's just, it's like him and Jordan, they were like identical in ways. It's been consistency over the years, but it, it's funny because I feel like, you know, Kitchen, Kitchen's right there, and then you got RJ, who's been pretty much consistently up front. He's just got to stay consistent to get consistent wins, you know. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's, I think at the end of the day, it's just going to be all about consistency. Like, none of the guys are just going to walk away with it. It's just who's going to out-consistent the other. You know what I mean? Yep. I agree. And um, third on our night, Nate Thrasher, speaking about consistency and inconsistency, uh, he comes away with a 3-10-1 on the night for third overall. Um, I think that last main event uh, win was a good confidence booster for, uh, for Thrasher. Um, but third overall in the night, uh, Thrasher, you know, is able to get onto the podium, Trey. Yeah, it was a pretty good night for him apart from the first or second turn incident there in the second race. But Thrasher is, Another guy, you know, he had an awful start to the season, the first two rounds, and he could very well be in the points fight if it wasn't for that 
crashing hard. He was running like fifth or sixth of A1. And then bike problems in the second race, the mutter at San Francisco. You know, this is easily a guy who could be right in the middle of things, but unfortunately he's not. And one thing I was thinking this week is that another guy we're going to talk about here in a couple minutes as well. Nate Thrasher and Joe Shimoda could determine the championships. And a lot of people might be confused when I say that, but these are guys who are capable of winning races are at the least capable of grabbing podiums every week. If Nate Thrasher and Shimoda put themselves either ahead of the top three guys to steal points and steal wins from them or put themselves between guys, you know, here's a hypothetical thing. Say Jordan Smith comes out at wins at Glendale, but like Thrasher or Shimoda could be second or third. That is several points that guys like Kitchen and Hampshire could lose because other guys are in the way. I think Thrasher and Shimoda can be up front, win races, be on the podium, and those two could go a long way into determining the champion because at this point, they're on the gate to simply win races and to simply, well, I would say cause chaos, but that that'll make it sound like they're going to be Vince Freezy at Abu Dhabi. So I, I don't know if that's the best term to use. Um, they can definitely make some noise and you know make Jordan and Levi and RJ make their lives a little bit harder. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Thrasher and both Shmo- uh, Shmoda, um can definitely do it. Um, Thrasher, heavy D. Yeah, I think. Man, I'm not gonna lie to you. I I get mixed signals with Thrasher. It's it's God. It's like he can win. It's and it's just one of those consistency factors. If he gets out front, he's fine. If he he gets right there, he's he, he, you know he's he's pretty good as well. It's just that he he just has to be there. You know what I mean? Yep. He ain't. Uh, he just don't have. I ain't gonna say he doesn't have it. I just haven't seen it. That that comeback factor. If he gets behind outside like that top ten, it's like he can make those quick passes to get back, get at least close to the podium. You know what I mean? Right. Or on the podium. That's that's just all I'm missing to see him from. You know, missing seeing him from uh, Thrasher. Yeah. And I think another uh, rider, obviously, that Trey just talked about, but I believe that he gained confidence from that Moto2 uh, or that Race 2 and Race 3 is uh, the number 30 of Joe Shimoda. Uh, Trey, did you have anything else on Joe, or did you kind of cover that uh, earlier, what you wanted to say about Joe? Um, I pretty much covered it, but he did look a lot better. Still not exactly where we thought he would be, but definitely a lot better than the last few rounds, even though he was still fourth overall. This is a fourth that I think he can take away several good things from, uh, as opposed to the Anaheim one and San Diego fourths that were kind of distant to everybody else. I agree. Uh, Shimoda, heavy D? Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is just my personal opinion. I just, I don't think, 
Shimoda will win a championship. I don't think he's going to. Just, just because he rides better from behind than he does out front early in the season. And then he picks it up at the end of the season. He just don't he don't start good. It's almost like I know I've said it before. But it's like he it's almost as if he, he wants to he doesn't want to be in the championship fight. He, he'd rather kind of almost be out of it than start doing good because there's no pressure to go win it. But I don't know, man. It's just that's another I got mixed feelings on. I know we, we know Shimoda's fast. Like he can go win. It's just the fact it's like, all right, like if somebody's out front, then he does good chasing. But he can be out front when there's like no pressure on like I ain't in the championship fight, like I'm here. And I don't want to say it like that because he he's that guy. Honda Honda got him to be that guy. It's just whether or not he's going to do it. I honestly feel like I'm just I, – I, I hate saying it like that, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm counting him out of the championship already. That's just – um, he's not going to he's not going to be in it. Uh, fifth coming in on the night, he was the points leader. Obviously coming in and he gets fifth on the night is Jordan Smith. Uh, Trey? Jordan was – Pretty quiet. Uh, second moto really hurt things when him and Thrasher and Mitchell Oldenburg were down very early in the race and they had to play catch up the whole time. But, you know, I thought Smith could answer a lot of questions because there were still questions despite the first three rounds and how good he was there. You know, can he keep it going? And I mean, he was solid, but he wasn't as good as Levi or RJ or. Even like Nate when he was doing well, um, you know Jordan can still take away the the fact that he didn't lose the points lead, but now he has somebody that has the red plate with him. So, you know he's not completely in second place now, but he had at least enough cushion to where he's tied for the points lead um, for Smith. I think the off week might be a good thing so he can regroup after a bad round. Uh, another veteran guy, another guy who's used to an off week and knowing what to do mentally and physically to prepare for the next race. But for him, I think it was a little bit of an off race. I agree. Heavy D, uh, Jordan Smith. Yeah, I feel like like I say, you know, it's just for him, it's a consistent race. And I don't know, he usually, man, sometimes he has ups and downs with those triple crowns. And this past, this past one was definitely uh, up and down when it wasn't too great. But, you know, he still salvaged it. That first one, dude, he came back, he was hauling ass. He was my friend. But, dude, he was ripping in that first main event. I think it was the first main event where he was in last and he came back to like fourth or something like that, fourth or fifth. Yeah, it was the, yeah. Yeah, it was the first Like one 17th out. to fourth, I think. Yeah, 17th. It was something ridiculous. I was just like, golly, like, okay, twist the throttle off the grip. Take the grip completely off the throttle, why don't you? But, yeah, dude, if he, man, he can just stay consistent. 
just that, that's the name of the game, consistency. His speed is there, obviously. It's just staying consistent. And uh, I think he'd be just fine. Yeah, the the Frenchman of um, Anthony uh, Borden uh, from uh, the Bar X Suzuki team puts in a solid performance, uh, getting sixth on the night, staying consistent with an 8-6-8. And I believe that this was a really, really good pickup uh, from the Bar X Suzuki team. Trey? 100%. They did a great job uh, signing him this offseason. A guy that you know, I was kind of surprised he's never been over here. Of course, we've had the star French riders, you know, JMB, Villeman, Marvin Muskan, Tortelli, now Ferrandis, you have Vial. But you also have these other, like, Supercross specialist guys, Cedric Subaros, Thomas Ramet, guys that come over here and every once in a while will land on a solid team and put in really good results. And the Bar X team, you know, may may have gambled a little bit, but it's a veteran guy, someone who's raced Supercross for a long time, and the signing has went really well for them. You know, this format is something he's a little more used to. I'm not really sure how the French format goes, but I know they have like a multiple, uh, multiple moto, multiple day thing for Paris Supercross, and of course. He's ran the World Supercross Series the last couple of years as well. And that is a three-race format, just like the Triple Crown. So that could have been something that's given him, given him confidence. And, you know, he's been a 6-10 to 10 guy all year. He's really been putting on for that Suzuki. And it's been great to see him up front. Um, the one thing I do want to know is, we need to get him on some podcast somewhere and clear up this name thing because I've heard Anthony Bourdon, I've heard Burden, I've heard like two or three different things. <laughs> so somebody get this guy on a podcast so we can all figure out how to say his name. Hey, I'll try and hit him up and see if he wants to do a podcast. Maybe come on uh, next week's pod and we'll figure it out. Um, but and uh, but uh, the number one hundred heavy D. What 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 nationality is he again? Anthony French. 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 Yeah. Okay, French. he's yeah. French. Okay, I'm trying to think of correct correct pronunciation for his last name. Anywho, dude's ripping. Um, yeah, that's a solid pickup to go out there. He was being consistently up front too on the Suzuki, the bar at Suzuki. I was like, "Who is this dude?" Like, he's ripping on the kickstart Suzuki right now. Like, I'm not gonna lie, the way these dudes are riding on these Suzukis, they gonna uh, they gonna make Suzuki wanna come out with a new design for that thing. I'm telling well, you, man, they're anyway. doing good. They're <laughs> doing good. One hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I, I think his last name is pronounced Burden. Burden. It sounds crazy, but Anthony. Yeah, yeah. Burden. Who knows? It could it could have a crazy uh crazy pronunciation to it. Um but um but like like Trey said, we need to get him on the pod so we can get this correct. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. Um seven through ten, I'm gonna just gonna go through them real quick. Um running out of time here a little bit. 
Um, seventh was Julian Bomer. Eighth was Ryder DiFrancesco. Uh, after grabbing a podium last week in the last two podiums, uh, in the last two races, Marchbanks ends up in ninth, unfortunately. Uh, we just had him on the pod last week, so that was a bummer ride, even throwing his goggles at Yoder. Uh, that was not, not good, of course. Uh, didn't have a good night, and uh, Nicoletti uh, was up there in the front. Um, ended up in fourth in that moto was really close to a third, of course, but, um, anybody, anything for that seven to 10, uh, pack group or just anybody else. Uh, I know Trey, you got the unsung heroes, uh, done, which will be out on the website tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, but do you guys have anything for, uh, seven through 22 Billy Leninovich gets in, uh, for his, uh, first main event, uh, since 2000 and, uh, five or 2006, I think. Uh, so his uh, first main since 2012. There you go. 20, 2012. I was saying his first, uh, main event was, yeah, his win. right? Yeah. His first main event was there too. Yeah. And then 04, 05 is when he won. Yep. So, uh, nice. really cool to see the 40 year old Billy Leninovich get into the main event, even though it didn't go the way that he wanted to, but he got himself into the main. So, uh, you guys can kind of take the floor there if you'd like. Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and just run over a couple of things. Uh, decent rebound for Juju. He looked really good at Anaheim 1. And then, of course, the, the two mud races did not go according to plan. He was like 16th, I think, in San Diego or something. But for him to get back in the top 10, that's a step back in the right direction. Um, March Banks, yeah, I saw the clip on Instagram. Uh, the middle finger was out. The goggles were thrown. The arms were up. Uh, obviously, he was clearly frustrated. Um, he was not. He was channeling his inner Sith as Master Yoder ran away. But <laughs> Marchbanks, uh, not a great night. But you know, he can put that behind him. Keep working. Phil is Phil. That guy is something else. <laughs> Phil, Phil is Phil, Phil, man. He is. He is one of the most entertaining guys in the sport. And I seen somebody the other day, I don't know whether it was on Discord, whether it was on Twitter or something, and they said that Phil Nicoletti might be the most frustrating rider to root for because sometimes he'll be up front and making you proud, and then sometimes just the bad luck and the grim ones happen. But <laughs> that's what makes him, I think, such an entertaining person in this industry. Um, as Zach was saying, plugging the Unsung Heroes, I have an interview with Matty Jorgensen this week the Danish rookie running for the AJE Gas Gas team. He's put in three consecutive main events. This is his first Supercross season, and he's a guy that doesn't really have a Supercross background growing up. So he's learning and growing, and, uh, of course, it was really cool to see Billy Leninovich qualify, and uh, I'm sure I speak for a lot of people when I say, you know, I grew up playing MX versus ATV Untamed, and Billy Leninovich was one of the uh, CPU riders in that game back when he was still with uh, Amsoil Honda, the Red No Fear year and stuff. Seeing him get in the main event, you know, proving that age is just a number. He showed that he still obviously has the talent and he's putting in the work. And for a 40-year-old guy to come out and make the main event, you know, I think that's pretty cool for people showing that you shouldn't let age stop you from pursuing your dreams or getting back to doing something you love. And I got some stats on that, what was happening in the world the last time uh, he was in the main event. 
on the Unsung Heroes as well, so people can check out and kind of remind themselves what was going on back the last time that he was in the show. That's awesome. Anything else uh, for the 250 class heavy, D? Uh, no, no. I just only know the thing I say. The Futures race is pretty sick between Cole Dave, uh, Davies and uh, Gavin Towers. But other than that, no. Yeah, no, that Futures race was really good. Before we get into that, uh, Levi Kitchen and Jordan Smith, obviously, are going to hold the red plate going into uh, Glendale uh, in two weeks. Uh, or, well, I really should say a week now, uh, pretty close to it. Um, Hampshire, Marchbanks, Bordon, uh, Shimoda. Man, it's really weird seeing Shimoda there in sixth place overall. Um, he is straight 30 points out of uh, the points lead of Levi Kitchen and Jordan Smith. Um, and Nate Thrasher down there in eight, and uh, yeah, 34 points behind. Um, that is definitely pretty wild, but I think definitely one of the main races that had uh, some of the best racing in it was definitely that futures class between Cole Davis, uh, Davies, and uh, Gavin Towers. Uh, Heavy D, I'll let you, let you take it first since you brought it up. Man, that was a hell of a race between those two, and it went all the way down to the final lap, um, Towers almost lost it there in the rhythm section. His hand completely blew off, went off the side of the track. Uh, that was an unbelievable race, Heavy D. Yeah, it was, man. And uh, I talked to both riders, you know, and I know Gavin was a little pissed um, about not winning it, but that's why I want to take time. Like, and, and hopefully, I mean, they may listen, they may not. In that situation, I just want to say that's where I think when they're out working and training, they need to uh, go back to the basics of, you know, racing. And Gavin lost that race in the corners, man. Corners and consistency. He was just – he was trying to do the big rhythms, and that goes to show you big rhythms ain't isn't what really wins Supercross. It's those corners, man. Like, Cole Davis was killing him in the corners, man insanely killed him in the corner. He was just flowing so good. He didn't do half the big rhythms that Gavin was doing, but he stayed consistent and he raced the track. He never looked back one time or looked to the side one time to see where Gavin was. He always raced that track the whole time. Ultimately, that's what won him that race, man. He was, God, he was so consistent in the corners. He just, it didn't look like he was going that fast, but he was flowing so good, man, like, his corner speed was immaculate on that Supercross track. Like, if you just go back and watch, he did an awesome job. Gavin did, too. Hats off to Gavin. But like I say, just that he should, if he can just go back, watch that race and learn from it and start working on consistency and going through the corners with just that fluidness and, and momentum, carrying that speed, you know, chopping those corners off where you can. And he would be so much faster. Like, he's already got... He ain't afraid to do the big rhythms that the main guys do or do the stuff that's just insane. It's just those little necessities that you don't think mean a lot that do that he should just go back and work on. And he would be right there. But hats off to Cole Davis winning that. That was pretty awesome. Daniel Blair's got a stud in that kid. That's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. That was a good pickup, uh, of course. And he's on a five-race deal uh, with the Supercross Futures to see if their whole family wants to move over here to pursue this uh, dream. Trey, speak about that super uh, that supercross futures race. 
what a race. Um, those two going back and forth the entire time, it was incredible to watch. And, you know, this is proving why they introduced Supercross Futures. You know, this is a group of 16 and 19-year-olds, and they had the race of the night, in my opinion. And that's not to say there was bad racing in 450s or 250 West. There was great racing all night. But for those two guys who, you know, want to be in the pro ranks, want to prove they belong for those guys to just go out there and throw down like that, it was amazing to watch. And it's another year, another kid on a smaller Yamaha team. He was riding for Josh Coppin's team. Um, for those who may not be familiar with him, Coppins used to race in XGP, was a really good guy there in the 2000s and has a team down in Australia and New Zealand. But they did the same thing with Bomer last year. And you see he's on Red Bull KTM now, you know, picking up a guy who was really fast on the Yamaha. Davies was consistent last year and now bringing him into the fold. It was a really good race to watch and it showcases you know, this sport is still going to be in good hands. There's going to come a time that we don't have Tomac on the gate anymore. We don't have Rocks and we don't have Barsha or those guys. But seeing these young guys come up through the ranks and how hungry they are already and the amount of skills they have before they even turn pro is pretty impressive. And one thing I will add is Drew Adams was kind of anonymous. I felt like he was probably the favorite to win. Team Green Kid, a lot of hype around him. And I kind of felt like he was the favorite to win. And he was sixth place, kind of anonymous. I don't know if it was a bad start. I'm not sure what exactly happened. But, you know, seeing those two out front, there wasn't really any time to focus on anybody else in the field. And obviously, they're not going to switch away from a first place battle. And I don't blame them. But that was just something I noticed, too. A guy I expected to be at least on the podium, probably the favorite, I thought, to win the class, to win the race at Anaheim. But he just comes out and gets sixth. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that that was definitely the the race of the night. Yes, the 250 class and 450 class had awesome battles. But from start to finish, uh, that one was very, very entertaining. And, of course, um, you know, two, two kids, uh, towers haven't, you know, obviously he's older, right. A lot of injuries, uh, hurt him in his younger career, uh, moving up, uh, to where he is now. And of course, Davies being young. Um, I think both of those going at it, uh, both of those riders going at it was, uh, was good entertainment for sure. And it shows them the ropes for what they're going to have to do probably next year. Right. So, um, and there's plenty more of those Supercross future races that are going to come up. So I believe that that is not the last battle that we're going to see between those two. And then you throw in a Gavin Towers or a Christian Janik or any of those other uh, guys that are out there as well. I think that this could be uh, pretty entertaining. But those two definitely were gone from the rest of the field for sure. Um, but let's uh, move into the 250 Supercross East. Uh, they will be racing this year or this weekend for their first time uh on the track and i tell you what man we have a lot of contenders in this one um i have the list in front of me of the riders that will be there of course i mean you have names like jeremy martin tom vial jaleek swole uh triumph 
uh, factory racing coming into the picture. A lot of Max Anstey hype. Uh, Hayden Deegan, is he, is he hurt? Uh, you know, he was talking in the press conference that it was just a small little injury, but I believe a lot of us think that it was a much bigger injury than what he's speaking of. And he's going to be wearing a wrist brace and all of that. Uh, we have Pierce Brown, Seth, uh, Seth Hamaker, Chase Hymas, uh, Colin Park, Daxon Bennett, Cameron McAdoo, Austin Fortner, uh, Guillaume Fares, uh, obviously on that Rockstar Energy Husqvarna team. Um, there's so many good guys uh, that are going to be in here, and we're gonna we're gonna see a good one, I think. Uh, Trey, what do you what are you looking forward to in this 250 Supercross East uh, division that we're going to see this weekend in Fort Field? This is another championship. Obviously, before the season, most people were thinking, you know, the guy to beat was going to be Hayden Deegan, and rightfully so. But with the injury talk and whatever else is going on, you know, I wouldn't say that exactly. There's going to be a lot of guys with something to prove, and it's, I think it's kind of wide open, just like the 250 West class was going into the year. And somebody brought up a good point in snowboard the other day, you know. Deegan hasn't won a Supercross race yet. Sure, he won several outdoors. Sure, he won Super Motocross, but... He's not won a Supercross main event yet. And they're, it's hard to say who the clear favorite is now. Tom Bial, I think, is going to be a lot better than he was last year. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a full on championship contender, but I think he's going to be a podium guy more often than not and a lot better than where he was at last year with a year of experience under his belt. Austin Forkner is a guy that, could win a ton of races, and he's also had a, a bad luck over the years. McAdoo has won several races before and also had a bunch of bad luck. You have Seth Hamaker, who's been fast at times. There is a lot of Max Anstey hype right now. Um, Dean, Phil, I don't know who else has said that Max Anstey's flying right now. You have some rookies coming in. You have uh, Daxton Benick who was really good in Futures last year. Of course, you have Triumph, another one of the new manufacturers in the class. Um, Swole and Evan Ferry, who's making his pro debut. There's a lot of cool elements, I think, for the 250 East class. And it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Jeremy Martin, another name up there. You can't leave a two-time 250 motocross champion out of the conversation. There's going to be a lot of guys going for that top spot going for the podium and we'll see how it plays out for good i agree heavy d uh 250 supercross east it's going to be interesting for sure yeah man it's gonna it's gonna be stat you know it i'm that, going uh, and before before you continue heavy d i was gonna say it's gonna be weird for them they're gonna have one weekend of racing and then they're going to have a, a straight weekend off and then they go back so um i don't know if that's going to throw anything into the loop but continue what you were saying i just wanted to say that before it um before i lost my train of thought no no you're good you're good um okay i got my i'm just going straight forward who i think would, would, would probably win it sounds crazy, 
but I'm either going Dax, Pierce Brown, or Enzo Lopes. Uh, I don't think Enzo's racing. Is he's not? Is he not racing? Nah, he's he's hurt. When did he get hurt? Uh, a little while ago. Um, believe he hurt his shoulder. If I if I remember correctly, or could it be a wrist or something? But yeah, he's not on the entry list, and um, he's hurt. Well, nice. Let me take. Let me retract that. <laughs> then. Well, I didn't nice. Pay that hey, we're gonna be doing our picks at the end for the four fifty and the two fifty class from everybody, and then we'll you know revert back uh, to our picks for the following weekend. But we'll do our predictions there at the end. But I, I just think that this class is just going to be wide open. There's so many guys that, unfortunately, have been inconsistent in their years, right? I mean, you even go to the Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki team. I mean, you have Fortner and you have McAdoo, right? Like, those are two guys that just can't stay consistent. Um, really, the only consistent guy that's in here ha has been Vial and Deegan, and those guys are brand new to the series. I believe that anybody else on this list just is not consistent so this is going to be i think a, a just like trey said i think this is going to be a wide open championship and i think a lot of guys going into this weekend think the same thing oh oh yeah and it is man and i tell you i'm excited to see uh jeremy and cody out there to cody shock since he switched over to the muck off club mx Gemma. i'm super excited to see that so that and definitely the triumph guys. Yeah. Because uh, I'm pretty sure, I think Evan Ferry's making his debut as well, right? Yes, he is. Yep. Yep. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. Yep. And our uh, our good buddy Jacob Glenn is going to be making his uh, his debut uh, this weekend as well out there in the Supercross class. Oh, oh is he? Yes, sir. Oh snap! Oh, might man, might be running an Imperative oh, MX sticker for uh, the the uh, for their next round. So oh, stop it! Yeah, man, we gotta we gotta get him into that. Uh, we gotta see if he can make a make a main event. We're pulling for our uh, uh, hometown guy Jacob Glenn for sure. Um, anything else uh, for the 250 Supercross East uh, class and thoughts before we get into our predictions? No. Here. All right. Uh, Trey, give me your 450 winner uh, from Detroit. Jet. Jet. All right. And uh, what He's about you? silence the doubters. All right. What about you, Heavy D? Who's who's winning Detroit this weekend in the 450 class? It start Kenny. Kenny. All right. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go Tomac. Uh, I think Tomac's going to bounce back. And uh, we're going to eat, uh, going to the uh, East Coast Dirt, of course, uh, in Detroit. Uh, I feel like he's uh, pretty comfortable there. So I think I think Tomac's going to come back and uh, show everybody that, uh, that he's for real. Um, and that injury is not going to bring him down whatsoever. Now, here we go. This is going to be the toss-up one, of course. The, the 250 Supercross East class. Uh, who's coming out this first race of 2024 for that division and winning, Trey? This might come back to bite me. Oh, boy. But <laughs> um, 
I'm going to go with Forkner. Okay. I think I don't, there is no guy that, you know, I would have probably said Deegan if we hadn't had all the injury talk and all the other stuff that we've heard. But there's something that tells me Forkner is going to be good this year. I don't know why. Maybe it's wishful thinking. Maybe it's something else. But I just have a feeling that Austin Forkner is going to come out swinging this year. And he's going to light the candles in Detroit. Okay. You, Heavy D, who you got for this 250 Supercross East uh, opener? Oof. Me personally? I'm going to go Dax. Okay, you're gonna go with the home ca- uh, hometown kid, huh? I want to say I want to say it's between him and Pierce, but I'm gonna say Dax. I just man, he I'm gonna say Dax just just because man, he's super super confident this thing, and you know he could have some jitters, but he's still he's good at supercross, consistent to flow. He's a racer when it comes to that man. He knows how to. He knows how to pull through, and I just got to say, Dax man, his career first start, and he gets and he gets a win. Wouldn't that be yeah, crazy? That would be, be unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, for my pick, uh, it is really close with me between Hamecker and uh, Bennick. To be completely honest, um, Hamecker has been a guy that we have seen that can put in very, very fast laps and be one of the, if not the fastest guy on the track. It's just about being consistent, getting a good start, and um, just allowing the race to come to him. Uh, and I believe that if he had a good off season, like I've been hearing uh, that he's been having a good off season, then I believe that he can be one of the favorites, um, in my personal opinion. And then Dax. I mean, Dax is very smart. Uh, he has a very good racecraft. He's done, uh, you know, the Supercross Futures. He kind of knows the feel of it. He's been training at the Star Yamaha compound, of course, at the Goat Farm. Uh, he's been riding with a lot of these top guys. Um, no, no injuries, no issues. So I think coming into this year, I think he may be one of the guys that feels uh, the best coming in, even though that he is a rookie. And I think that that's pretty crazy to say that he'd be confident uh, going in uh, being a rookie. Of course, he doesn't know what to expect. But I think I think that feeling of unknown can be very good for Dax. And I believe that he's a good starter. And of course, that Star Yamaha is a very, very fast bike. And um, yeah, I'm going to have to go. But if I have to put my money on it, I would. Oh, man, that's 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 hard. Uh, for me, but if I had to choose one, uh, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna be different from you, Heavy D, and I'm gonna go. Uh, Seth Hamaker uh, gets it in Detroit uh, this coming weekend. But I think I think this weekend. Um, I mean, even um, one of the things too that I didn't mention earlier that I wanted to say about uh, Webb and actually Nicole was the one that pointed it out. She was like, a lot of people always talked about. Webb on the KTM and being able to turn down so well in the corners. And if you look at Webb, he is still that one guy that will take all of those ruts that are on top of the berm and find a way to get underneath and tuck underneath all of them. And I think with these East Coast rounds and ruddier dirt and conditions, I believe that's going to help him. And if we're already seeing that he's comfortable with uh, diving down deep into the corners, 
uh, and staying out of those real um, ruddy corners, then I think that that is a really good sign for him moving forward, of course. And he's one of the best at uh, tucking down uh, in those uh, berms for sure. Um, but I think we're going to have a great race in Detroit. Uh, before we let you go, Trey, uh, we had a shakeup in the AMA Arena Cross season. We have a new overall winner from this past weekend. And uh, Ryan Brees was able to go 1-1. Peters got on a 450 thinking that might help him. He was actually a little sick, and he actually came up short on one of the uh, rhythm sections and um, hit his chin pretty good and uh, was bleeding actually on the on the podium. But um, this title fight for this Arena Cross Championship, if Bree starts knocking these main events off and start gaining some points by the end, we could have a title fight. That's what he needs to do. He needs to keep going 1-1 one, one and... Hope that somebody gets in between him and Peters. I don't think he's going to win the championship if he goes 1-1 and Kyle goes 2-2 the entire time. And it's very hard to beat Kyle Peters, but he's got to have somebody get in between there. But at the same time, you know, for him to finally get that 1-1 is a huge confidence booster for him. And that's something he could build on. Um the title fight, it's still 19 points. It's still a decent amount, but obviously, Brees and Kyle Peters have been the class of the field the entire season. You go back to December and the first rounds in Idaho, and they were the class of the field. And, you know, whether the points lead was 19 or 9, I think those two could go down to the wire and Reese is just going to have to keep chaining the victories together and hope that something else happens to Kyle. Agree. Heavy D, anything on the MA Arena Cross Championship? Man, I'm just loving what you're doing, dude. Like, man, how they letting every guy beat themselves? And, dude, Cody Groves, that whole ordeal was hilarious. But, you know, also, I think it's pretty cool, like, even in Cross, like right now, you know, Ryan Breeze is going to ride in the 450 and Kyle goes to make that change and uh, to race the 450 in, uh, in a Rain Cross. And, uh, of course, he had a little mishap. But, man, it's, it's it's so interesting. God, I hope that series grows and grows and keeps going because it seems like more guys are starting to get back to it. Because, I mean, it is fun, and I think they can make pretty good money in it, but – also, I want to see the fans start piling back in because, I mean, that stuff is unfiltered. I mean, they ain't, they're not sugarcoating it. Dude, those, those guys are just being those guys. And that's what I love about it. So I hope it just gets better and better. No kidding. Uh, Trey, appreciate you coming on tonight, giving us your thoughts on, uh, on everything. And uh, we'll be talking to you next week. And of course, great job on all, all of the articles up on imperativemx.com. Make sure you guys check out the Unsung Heroes in the morning afters uh, from Trey and all of the other articles that he does. Uh, Trey, appreciate you having on uh, for coming on tonight. Yep, thanks for having me once again. Can't wait for more racing this weekend. Absolutely, Trey. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. All right, sounds good. Later. All right, Heavy D, and that was our Trey Steyer from imperativemx.com doing the uh, awesome article work uh, over up on the website and um, I believe that's it 
for this episode number 34 here on the Imperative MX podcast, where we spoke about local motocross racing here in 2024 with the racing season upon us starting this weekend. And of course, we talked about the pit bike moto event from this past weekend that I attended. Then we got Trey Steyer on to speak about this past weekend's Triple Crown ran round from Anaheim. Looking forward to this weekend's Detroit uh, Supercross round number five with the 250 Supercross East class. We talked about that, AMA Arena Cross, and of course, so much more here on this episode. And a big thank you to all of the companies who make this podcast possible. West Virginia Motorsports, Dirt Industries, Custom Graphics, FXR Racing, Hydropower, Silver Valley MX Park, Total Control Racing Suspension, and PR Motorsports. Thank you guys again for listening to this week's episode of the Imperative MX Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads, and TikTok. And of course, find the other episodes and more local scene podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you find your podcast nowadays. Check out imperativemx.com when you can and post on the forums. From myself, host Zach Newberry, and co-host Heavy D. We're out. See y'all next week. Peace. Later.